we're going to come around this theme this morning, one another, a theme that we're continuing, and we're going to speak about the body today. You know, um, everyone has a part to play in serving, in hosting connect groups, in establishing the house of God. We all have a sweet spot that God has marked out for us in which we can bear fruit for the kingdom of heaven. Now, I need to be in a certain uh, clear state of mind in order to prepare a word. And, um, you know, this week, Monday, Tuesday, I was a little bit on the tired side. If I'm honest, I just sort of felt like I need to sit and stare at blue skies and refresh my soul a little bit. And actually, it's important for me to prepare a word out of a place of rest, not out of a place of works or obligation. The, the word doesn't open up in the same way for me if I'm approaching it like that. So I did. I just sat and looked at the blue skies. God is very gracious. And then I got to the end of that day, Tuesday, and I was standing at my kitchen sink. Who knows that God meets us at the kitchen sink <laughs> or in the car when we're driving or whatever. And as I was standing there, he said, I'm waiting whenever you're ready. Come and meet me, is what he was saying, so we could get on with the business of preparing this word for you today. And I went, I went at the beckoning of the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I sat with him. And then the word comes together like pieces of the puzzle. Chink, chink, chink. It just clicks together. And actually, I'm serving you from a place of waiting with and being with Christ. And I'm, I'm sharing that story today to encourage you in your context of service to serve the people and this house from that very same foundation of being with Christ. If we can serve from that place, we will get flow. Otherwise, our service can feel like a lag. Now, I wanna play a little clip this morning from Jesse playing football yesterday morning. Um, Hart showed me this little capture when he came home. Now, I want you to look to the centre of the screen. You'll see my, uh, my little boy, Jesse. He's got headgear on, black headgear. Naturally, he looks like every other boy on the field because of his sports uniform. But you'll see as you watch the clip, look to the centre of the screen. He'll soon begin to take the lead and you'll see him as he goes um, for the try. Um, but notice what's attached to him as he makes the try. Thank you if we can play that clip. Keep going, Jess. Drive, Jess. Go, Jess. Yes. Jesse. That's Hartley Great very enthusiastically run, championing his son. But if you noticed, there was literally two big footballer boys <laughs> literally attached to my son whilst he was making the try. Now, some of us, I feel, um, if we're naive, we'll be making tries in our service with a lag, with something attached to us which is unnecessary and cumbersome, will exhaust us. And so today I pray, as the word goes out, that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the things that are attached to you that may be causing a lag effect in your service, that we would be liberated from those things so that we could bear fruit with happiness and joy. Our service is meant to bring us utmost joy. And so I pray that we get set free from the lag. Now, the lag will be all different things for different people. We're all wired uniquely. The lag can be a need for affirmation, recognition through works, striving. Look, 
in, in a, the simplest sense, if I can be transparent, one of my greatest lags through my 20s um, was wrestling with intimidation in, in my service and, and leading in the house of God and needing to um, sit in, around certain boardroom tables as I needed to make decisions and lift up my voice. I was coming up against the lag of an intimidation. And honestly, the Sometimes we have to deliver ourselves from the lag. And if I'm honest, the thing that liberated me from intimidation was prayer. I'm giving you a truth here today. If you can establish a steadfast, consistent prayer life, any of those things that try to attach themselves to you cannot remain. When the oil is on you, you're slippery and they can't get a grip. And I'm praying today that your, your prayer life will be strengthened so that the lag will no longer be able to attach itself to you, so that you'll bear fruit and run in your lane with freedom and strength and liberty. Amen? Amen. See, Matthew 26, it talks about um, coming around communion and Christ said, take this body, break this bread, um, receive first from me. And I believe in our service. If we're going to serve and pour out from a place that is whole and content, we need to serve out of communing with Christ first. You know, when we find complete satisfaction in him, that lays the foundation for our service. Without entitlement or expectation or any need from people or leaders or the church itself, then we're liberated just to give to him, him alone as our recipient. Because no one can satisfy in you what only God is intended to satisfy. Then we can offer a service with no strings attached. Our service should be a free will offering. Now, Matthew 26, um, before Jesus breaks the bread with the disciples, he was anointed for his call as the Messiah. And I love this story. Uh, even Jesus was anointed in preparation for his service. And at the close of the meeting today, I'm going to lay hands on and pray for a number of people that are in service in our place. And I'm believing for fresh anointing. I believe we need anointing to empower us. It is ultimately heaven's empowerment of us. It's a fuel for the soul when we, when we serve from a place of being anointed. And verse 7 says... I love this story so much. A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very precious perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. What's amazing about that alabaster flask is it was a year's wages in one little vessel. She was a vision builder. She was a serious vision builder. I am so jealous of her that she got to pour out a year's wages in my wildest dreams. I get to bring an offering that is worth a year's wages and pour it out on Jesus and his house. The best I can do is give my life in order to keep up with this woman with the alabaster flask. I have serious like servant envy of her. I love that she did that. She poured out. I'm jealous of her. <laughs> now verse 8, the story goes on to say, and when the disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, for what purpose is all this waste? What an interesting attitude of the disciples who were in the closest proximity with Christ, who loved him and received from him the most, that they would almost think 
that he wasn't worth the outpouring. It's interesting the religious perceptions that spring up even amongst those that are in closest proximity to Christ. You know, the world is unlikely to understand your service. Sometimes even those in the house, those in proximity with Christ, won't understand your service because it is a revelation that springs up out of an individual heart. And I'm praying for a deep, rich revelation of pouring out our lives to fill and bless the house and build the house here today in Jesus' mighty name. You know, Mark Kelsey talks about our call being like a line in the sand on the inside of us. You know, for me, I, I do, I feel, I feel a distinction. I feel a, not a parameter, but a guide on the inside about what I should put my hand to, what I should give my energy to, who I should spend my time with. My life is not my own. I am, I am submitted to a sovereign, defining call on my life. I feel that line in the sand in terms of making my life align to his purpose. Anyone else out there today feel that line in the sand on the inside of them? Now it goes on in verse 9. Jesus defends her offering. I love him in this moment. It says, but Jesus, fully aware of this, indignation that was towards her, said to them, why do you bother the woman? She has done a noble, praiseworthy and beautiful thing to me. See, her heavenly assignment was to anoint the Messiah. Jesus understood this. Maybe their eyes were blinded and they didn't see. But what an amazing task to be given to her life, the one that anointed the Messiah. Do you see why I envy her? (laughs) Amazing. Wow. Now, verse 13 goes on to say, truly I tell you, wherever this good news, the gospel is preached in the world, what this woman had done will be told also in memory of her. Now Jesus loved it so much. He made her world famous in the scriptures. Whenever you look through the pages of the scriptures, her story will be celebrated. That's how much Christ thought her outpouring was worthy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now this story precedes the Last Supper. He was anointed, then he broke bread and he shared it with his disciples. If Jesus needed to be anointed for his service, then we really need an anointing for our service. You know, um, in fact, right at this point, I just want to ask everyone to stand who, who serves in this house. Maybe you're on a team, maybe you host a connect group. No role is insignificant. I just wonder, right across this auditorium, if you could just stand in your seats, if you're a part of our team, hosting on the welcome team, preparing food, all these different things, if you could just stand right where you are. And church, can we just thank them? Ziad, electrical work, air conditioning work, stand up, my friend. You're getting a personal invitation. We just want to thank you. You guys have been teaching and discipling at Auburn. So many of you, I just thank you so much from the bottom of my pastor's heart and Hartley's heart. Thank you for your service. Many times it may feel unseen, but it is not insignificant. And we thank you from the bottom of our heart that you do what you do. We could not build this church without you. Please take a seat. Now, I'm going to present um, some particular um, acknowledgements this morning to honour a few people in our camp. Um, and it might seem like a humble recognition. Um, I want to give a, um, a fresh bread award today because actually I liken good service to the scent of fresh 
baked bread. <laughs> you know, when Hartley bakes bread, I know, this is why I call him Saint Hartley. But when he breaks bread, often on a Saturday morning, and I walk out, the scent fills the home. And fresh baked bread for me, I liken it to good service because it's refreshing. It ultimately satisfies a hunger. It's ultimately all that we need, actually, to eat. We could survive a long time off it. Um, and it is humble. Many times our service is humble. Um, and so I've, I've decided to acknowledge a few people today and give a fresh bread award, all right? So um, the first person I want to acknowledge is Reg Dequilla, who is like Ninja Reg. He's up the back, Dory. He's up the back with his little son. Um, we heard from June earlier today, and truly, um, these guys are lives poured out. Uh, I have asked him to do so many projects in the last little bit, film projects. It's like we really need to bring him permanently on staff. He's, he's so gracious in his capacity, so we want to acknowledge you today. I want to give one to Carly, who I know. <laughs> I know Carly. She's going to be like, no, give it to Steph. <laughs> And I'm going to acknowledge the team, and we're just celebrating with you from the bottom of our heart. You have probably given thousands of loaves of bread in the last five years, and food hampers, and restored dignity, and given strength to people, and strengthened their hearts. And we celebrate all, all your sacrifice, all your investment, your steadfastness. You're an absolute God. All of heaven salutes you today. What an amazing person. She's wonderful. Um, next, I'm going to ask Dory to run up to the mezzanine. Lama, where are you, beautiful Lama? <laughs> She's our translator extraordinaire. We want to host all our Syrian and Iraqi friends with dignity and kindness, and translation is a very important piece of the equation. And so, Lama, we want to thank you for your service, your gift, offering it to this house. We love you so much. And the last one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send out, um, Rose is going to send it out to the kids' room to, for me, and she's going to run that up to the primary room and give it to the host of that service. And just explain a little bit, Rose, um, because our kids' ministry sometimes can feel very unseen, um, but we are so grateful that they are raising disciples of our children, that they're caring for our children. It's not just a, a, a babysitting program, it's empowering the next generation. Can we thank all those kids' leaders out there today? So I'm inviting us all, friends, to get into the slipstream of service in this house, to be a part of building the magnificent house of God. And I'm holding the door wide open to include you, to make way for you. You are welcome. You are qualified. You're enough. You're enough. In fact, between the seats on the, on the ground, just by your feet today, you'll see a serving card with all these different options. And I appreciate there are seasons to rest and there are seasons to engage, but our responsibility is to keep the door wide open for you. So I want you to take this, even if it's not your season, I want you to take it with you, put it on your fridge, consider in your heart when your time comes. And today, if you feel ready and released today, if you can fill that card out and bring it out to the next step bar, because we want to engage you, we want to involve you in what you're doing. And if you feel like you're sitting on the outside looking into a fishbowl of our church, can I tell you that the best way to 
to feel a part of the heart of the church is to get involved and be a part of the building of the house. And then you'll feel like you've, you find your niche. You've got your place. And so we want to welcome you in. You know, our life unfolds in proportion to our courage. So I want to commission you, friends. Have courage, dear friends. Step in and be a part of what we're doing here today. And please don't think that this place has it all together. You know, it is always a, a small portion of the faithful that lift the roof up over the multitude. And so I would love to increase that minority and I would love to invite you in to be a part of what we're doing. It's wonderful. I'm inviting you into the life of the church. I'm inviting you into the heart of the church. I'm inviting you in to the depths of the church. You're so welcome. You know, often the spirit of the world on us and Christ in us are in conflict over our call and the distribution of our energy. And Romans 12.2 kind of sets us on a course. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And I'm praying as the word goes out today that it tweaks some misperceptions even about who you are and your giftings and your wiring and your part in our community. You are qualified. You're, you're beautiful, even in your imperfection. This is not a place that is requiring anyone to be perfect. We're, we're rather in, in calling out people to engage, to come on the journey. And we go from strength to strength as we engage with the body. Amen. See, here's the thing. If we're interpreting God's will through the filter of the world's view and culture, it's going to be tainted. It's going to be unreconcilable. That's why we need the renewing of our mind to a higher heavenly perception to awaken us. Amen. Amen. I'm going to amen myself. That was a good one. That was a really, really good one. Gaston, was that a good point? My friend in the mezzanine, it was a good point. You know, in the thick of my obedience last year, attending Friday Night Youth, launching New Life on Friday mornings, attending church on Sundays, four services across the weekend like the worship team. <laughs> Just a different kind of service. You know, some said to me in the midst of it, oh, you're everywhere. They were kind of inspired by my pouring out. Others said, oh, don't burn out. They were maybe a little bit challenged by my pouring out. But I, I believe that capacity can't be projected on people. It's a completely individual thing. And yes, at times, of course, I was tired. I'm an earthen vessel, just like all of us. There is a cost to our service, without a doubt. But it was when I was in the thick of my service that I discovered I had more margin than I thought I did. And I wouldn't have found it any other way than pouring out. That's the only way you discover what you're made of, what you've got on the inside. And the most sacred thing for me in the midst of the service was it was like God's love in me was expanding my heart and my therefore my capacity. And it says in Psalm 51.10, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. See, God's love in us is like a refining fire. It sifts out self and it, 
it refines and it consolidates him on the inside of us. And I found he was imparting a steadfastness in me as his love was pouring into me. And I believe that's what's going to be imparted here today. As you stand on this altar under an open heaven with fresh oil, that there's going to be a new measure of steadfastness for you, for your life and for your service. And Psalm 73, 26 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He is the strength of our heart. See, capacity isn't expanded by safe parameters. And there is a pleasure and a satisfaction in the leap, which you will never taste of from the sidelines. You only get it midair. And we can only discover higher grace as we walk in it. I'm going to finish with this thought and I'm going to invite um, the worship team to come and join me. You know, um, definitely, I think the origin of burnout is complexity in the soul and about the security of a person that drives us to a task out of obligation and works. It's also about not running in our own natural lane according to our gifts and our wiring. So there needs to be an awareness and acknowledgement of how God has uniquely framed us. But I believe capacities increase by keeping clear, internally clear. And if I'm resting in Christ, I find the tide just keeps rising and rising and rising on what he can pour out through my life. You know, Ezekiel 47, it talks about going into the river and it met, there's measuring points at the, at the ankles, knee deep to the waist and then submerge. And I liken this picture to the call. And I want to ask you today, where are you at today? Are you ankle deep? Are you knee deep? Are you waist deep? Or are you all in to his high call? And I want to ask this question, what is determining your level of engagement? Is there a lag that you need to be liberated from today? Do you need a higher acknowledgement of your unique wiring so that there's flow and grace on your service? I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to us in this place today. You know, all in service for me, if I'm really transparent, is like walking around with my shoelaces undone. <laughs> uh, you know, circumstances are not perfect. I'm not one that is naturally given to crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. I just like to dive in. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not in complete control. I'm in deep. Come, worship team. Yella, yella. <laughs> I'm not completely in control. I'm in deep. You know, I'm preaching 11 messages in four locations in the next six weeks. I'm in deep. But I am content. I have made peace with my sense of being in deep. It doesn't need to be all tidy. I'm okay with that. I'm in Christ. He is my security. Who is going to step into the deeps with me here today? Who's going to join me in offering your lives in the fullness to him and his service here today? Why don't you stand right across this auditorium? <laughs>